everybody this is subrat from the sparking entrepreneur show and today we have meredith melberg with us an executive coach and career strategist ceo peer facilitator author guiding corporate and nonprofit executive they to do their finest work and also help senior leaders elevate their performance impact and career fulfillment using a depth blend of leadership coaching and career strategy so without further delay let's welcome meredith meredith welcome to the show thank you subrat i'm really happy to be here Meredith, let's begin with your journey. Like, why did you choose this career? What exactly inspired you to become a coach? And how did you get started into this job? Sure. When I was growing up, my mom wanted me to be a psychologist, a therapist. I have always been someone who can be very approachable and talk to people about what they're dealing with. To me, even as a young person, I knew that wasn't right. I it wasn't action oriented enough for me. But at the time, I didn't know what coaching was. So I yeah. I thought I wanted to go into HR. So I became I ended up as a recruiter. I was working with people who needed jobs and helping placing them in jobs. So in that job I became a translator between audiences, people who were hiring wow. and people who wanted uh, a position. And through that I got promoted into a role where I was a basically working at the corporate office building systems and that's how I got into product management and management. And in that situation I was again a translator between people who needed software to solve problems for them and people who were building those software solutions and so i did that for a while but it wasn't taking all of who i was and i could really feel it even as a young person and so somewhere along the way i realized that my career was happening to me i still didn't know about coaching but i decided to work with a career counselor to figure out what else could i do that would make me feel alive in my work and take into account all my talents So I worked with the career counselor and through that process I fell in love with what she was doing with me. And it was pretty clear that this was the career I wanted to go to. I looked at a couple. I looked at interior decorating was the other one I looked and tried on pretty seriously. But once I started talking to people who were working as coaches and had gone through training as coaches, I realized that's the path I wanted to go into. And that's been now about 20 years that I've been in the profession and my work as a coach has changed over time, but I've never looked back. The perfect combination for me of being able to hold space for other people and help them move into the next phase of their professional lives. So, it's action oriented, but it also takes advantage of my strengths and interests. That's awesome. And also how it's going on now? How it's going on now? It's very going well. I have my husband quit his job about 10 years ago, so he works with me in the business. So, our oh, okay. family is supported by our enterprise. I just wrote a book that came out last month, Your Finest Work. It's all about in the subtitle Career Fulfillment in a Complicated World. which is a summing up of what i've learned. So that's been really satisfying. I have at various times had a team of people that worked for me. I used to hire out a series of practitioners and sell their services. So i've had different iterations of the work, but now i make my living in three ways. One as a facilitator of executive groups. I have several groups that are CEOs and other senior executives that i hold space for on a monthly basis. working one on one with clients who hire me individually typically executives who are thinking about whether they want to make a change or grow where they are in their career and companies that hire me for their high potential or valued leaders that they want to invest in their career satisfaction and leadership abilities so i've diversified my revenue so that it makes sense and it can support putting two kids through college i have teens that i'm i'm raising as well so that's how it's going now and as your husband is also working with you so whole revenue is going to your pocket yes 
That's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. It's interesting. My husband used to have a very demanding job and I originally partially went into coaching because I could be flexible and I wanted to be a mom. But it was interesting when we switched, it was like, okay, I love this more than what he's doing. Let's Mm. double down on this. And he, I need more help then. It can get pretty complicated once you grow and you have a lot of moving parts in your coaching business. So it was really helpful. I'd had different assistants that I'd paid before, but once my partner in life became part of the organization, it really shifted and unlocked something in our relationship too. So that was cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And also you have one-on-one clients, but do you have group coaching options or any kind of programs? Like if anybody wants to get coaching from you, then only one-on-one options is available or is there any other options? I do group coaching, especially on demand, and I've done it in different ways and at different times. Right now, I have an online course that oh. course in air quotes, but how I, I ran it a few times where people were self-paced going through it, and then they'd come for group calls. And what I found is it's actually just really useful as like an online wiki as I'm working with people. So I, I tend to work more one-on-one, but I do have group sessions as well. Sometimes, and I'm thinking about with my new book, I just hired a speaking coach. It's always good for a coach to have a coach and she's going to help me work on my keynote, but also thinking about like how to refine my business model to have more Mm. one-to-many coaching uh, experiences. One-to-many is different than one-to-one. It's a different energy. It, It requires a different set of expectations of yourself as a practitioner because when you're working one-on-one, you can be really clear on, okay, what are we here to do? How will we make sure we've done it? But when you're working with multiple people, I still like that personal touch, being able to understand the person and what's important and how are they measuring success and how do they make sure they get what they need? So when I do it, I really try to be intentional about how I do that design. And But it's certainly practical in terms of making more money as a practitioner as and yeah. it makes your time stretch further for sure. Yeah. And also if I talk about from the business perspective, like most of the people, they have group coaching because they can enroll like bunch of people mm-hmm. and also they can filter out like who is going for the one-on-one. It's yeah. like basically like just experiencing the things like how you are coaching and how the things is going for you if they buy your one-on-one coaching. For that reason, they just do the group coaching and it's two to three days or maybe uh, one uh, in a week. Then once they like people get some experience about your coaching processes and all, then they mm-hmm. are enrolling the one-on-one. Yes, for sure. And it really does vary thinking about you have to be a good marketer to be able to get enough people to fill a course at the time you want to start it. Some professionals, and sometimes I've used this approach, was like, let me see how many people are interested in that, and then we'll form uh, a group. I had a a talk I did once, and there were like 900 people that signed up for it. It was crazy. And and while on the call, the, the ticker tape of the chat was like crazy. I was like, Hey, if I create a course about this, would anybody like to take it? 69 people said yes. And so I created a course and we did it. Like the great thing about a course is you don't have to have it all ready ahead of time. You can have an idea. And I've taken different coaching where they help you understand, like prove out the idea before you go put a lot of resources into it and build it. And then you can build it as you go. Today, more and more of the group work that I'm doing is through organizations that hire me to do it. So Mm. they do all the administrative load of filling the group administering the group. And I just have to show up and do the actual facilitation or coaching. And to me, that's a nice trade-off. It's a little bit less work 
for what I'm earning. They already have people coming to them and then I just come in and I do the work. It's worth it to me to maybe make a little bit less than I might have made if I ran the whole group to not have all of the responsibilities. So I played with it in different ways over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also let's talk about, we will go into this very shortly. I just want to ask you like, what is the basic different like when an entrepreneur or business owner hire a coach or if they don't have a coach? So what is the basic hmm. difference? The basic difference. And mostly when like, what is the most, like what kind of advantage that they are going to if they hire a coach? If like they hire business a coach, coach, for sure. For one, when you're an entrepreneur, you're trying to look to the outside world that you have it all together but often you don't on the inside. So having a coach gives you a confidential container in which to have a thought partner and just say, let down your hair and say, this is hard. I'm not sure what to do about this. I'm almost out of money or I, ha I tried this and it didn't work or I just had this experience. I'm not sure what to do with it. So when you don't have, have a coach, you have to find, I mean, you still have that need to be able to have an outlet to be able to workshop and brainstorm and strategize and experiment and debrief. Yeah. And so if you don't have that, you've got to find it through another way. And it doesn't work very well. And I say this with great love for my spouse. It, it doesn't work very well to have somebody who's benefiting or losing based on the output of it. So in other words, having a spouse or a family member can be useful in some ways, but in other ways, they have a vested interest in it going a certain yeah. way. So a coach can help you think about things more broadly. A lot of the times when I'm coaching, I'm helping people understand what other people do in the circumstances they find themselves in. So it's, oh, it got, I'm going product manager on them. It's, okay, in this situation, people either do this or this. What resonates with you? So having a body of knowledge to tap into, coaches are often very equipped with past experiences of what they've seen in other clients, people, professional experience they've had themselves. Like for me, like one of the reasons I'm credible as a business coach is I've been a business, I've been in business for 20 years. I've seen a lot of different things. And so yeah. there's a lot I can pull out. And also network expansion is another thing. So often if you're working with a coach, you get access to their network of resources because an entrepreneurial journey is not one you can do on your own. You need a village of people around you. And so being able to tap into for informational interviews or resource. I was taking a coaching program where I got introduced to a woman who ended up writing case studies for me, interviewing my clients and helping me understand the value I was bringing. And that was life-changing. I wouldn't have known about that if I hadn't been in a coaching mm. relationship. Those are just some examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. And is it important for a business coach to gain experiences in business before they're coaching to their client? I think it helps. Yeah, I was talking to a gentleman the other day who's a commercial photographer, and he really wanted to work with someone who had been in business and could relate to what he was talking about and could not only relate, but have had success of their own to draw upon. Whether you're in business, gaining that experience as you do the coaching, that could be done. Or whether you've had a chapter, if you think about, oh, I had a chapter, here's what I completed, and now I, that's my platform on which I stand. I think yeah. if you haven't been in business, you've got to be pretty familiar with the issues that people are going to experience. And, and it could be that you could get that in other ways. I often work with people in businesses that are not the kind of business that I run, a product mm. business versus a service business, for example. But I've done enough research and I've had enough conversations and understanding and reading and learning to be able to extract the nuggets. The good thing about coaching is it's not about the details of the nuances of the business. It's more about what are the things that get in the 
person's way of having what they want from it. And so it's typically, so in that way, and I would never say that not having business experience is advantageous, but there's certainly, there's the tendency if you have too much business experience, especially if it's related to the work that somebody's doing, it's easy to go into consulting as opposed to coaching. And that's a real risk, especially if you want to call yourself a coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you have a lot of businesses and you go exactly go with the particular industry, then consulting would be always better options if you see with the coaching because coaching a little bit different from the consulting because there are people will consult you, they will tell you that what exactly that you need to do in order to get success and all. But in if we just switch up that, coaching is like reverse. They are just going to ask you the question so that you will get the clarity or confidence what you need to do, what kind of strategy yes. that you need. So yes. yeah, yeah. And there are, it's about, there are powerful combinations I would not encourage your listeners to shy away from consulting if that's their bent and their interest. However, I would just be really clear about the difference. I remember when I was being trained as a coach, they had this us do this metaphorical take off your coaching hat and put on your consulting hat, like being really discreet with your customer because coaching is a different permission asking sport mm -hmm. than consulting is I have the expertise. I'm going to come in and tell you what to do. And coaching mm -hmm. is more like you've got the answers within you to your decision. I'm going to hold space for you as you find it. I often combine coaching and consulting, frankly. When I went for my credential, which some of your listeners may be interested in that, I had to display that I knew how to do coaching, pure coaching. And that was mm -hmm. not overreaching, not telling what people what to do, not getting in, in that vein. But the reality is in the day-to-day -day work world, and even the speaking coach I just hired, is she's going to consult with me. She's going to not mm. only have me hold space for my answer, she's going to help me understand how to save time so I don't have to reinvent the wheel and learn from what she knows and what others before me have learned. So it, it, it's just, it, it does require self-management as a coach, yeah. as a practitioner, to know the difference and then to work very tactfully and in a nuanced way with your clients so that they understand what they're getting. I have a lot of people who come and they expect me to have the answers for them. And so the part of what I'm doing is educating them on what coaching really is and what coaching is definitely in a lot of ways more powerful because it brings the it back to the person themselves that they have agency, but strategy and consulting can give them the edge to move faster and get done with and meet their goals more fully. Correct, correct, correct. It's basically like you are taking action towards your client's result or clients, yeah, whether it be combining of coaching or consulting. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Meredith, if you like, you since you have twenty years of experience in this industry, I just want to ask you if anybody wants to be a successful business coach, then what kind of qualities they need to be possessed? Okay. There's a number of them. One is that you have to be reflective yourself. You have to have a growth growth mindset so that everybody talks about that. But this idea of I have a part to play here. I have something to learn. I have things that will both help me and get in the way of me being a successful practitioner. So I'm going to work on myself. It's not just that I'm uh. going to learn the craft. It's that I'm going to self-manage. I'm going to always be in growth mode myself. I'm going to have strong teachers around me to help me understand how my energy that I bring to coaching is impacting in a positive or negative way my clients and what I want to do about that. So being reflective is one. Being a, an active listener, of course, is another. Being able to listen with your whole being, not only with your what your ears tell you, but also what your eyes and your body feels. Being able to tune in to the whole experience the person, your person or persons you're coaching are having with you and being able to speak to that with tact and, yeah. and permission. 
Other things that come to mind are not talking too much. Yeah, I have a, sometimes I'll write on my paper, wait, which stands for why am I talking? So the idea of putting the work where it belongs, being willing to not be the solver. We were talking about coaching versus consulting, but if we think about a pure coaching play, it's helping the person find their answers and not doing the work for them, not taking it on, not doing too much, not overreaching. So that is often easier when you're not talking too much. You're asking questions, provocative questions that are less focused on the details and they're more focused on what are the goals that the person has and how do we need to deepen the conversation. One of the learnings that I have had over the years that I didn't realize when I first started was this idea of, because I come from corporate and startups, like I'm a really practical, pragmatic person. So I'm results oriented. And there's an arc, when you learn to be a coach, there's the arc of the conversation. A single coaching session has different parts. And one of the parts is accountability and sort of action orientation. What are you going to do as a result of this conversation? And when I was learning to be a coach, I I was emphasizing that too much because I was so practical. And so what you have to learn as a coach is how to be okay with it being messy, being unfinished, continuing to deepen the conversation as opposed to wanting to get to the punchline and wanting holding an agenda of your own for the person that you are invested in them getting to. And once I could tap into that, that really made my the results people got from the coaching yeah. more transformative. So this idea of being willing to understand the way the interaction of the coaching sessions have to go and then being willing to let go of any attachment you have to the outcomes yeah. the person gets from the help they get from you. It's their work to do. So a lot of it's an inner game. There's more I could say, but those are some of the things that come to mind for me with coaching. I don't know if you are other things you notice and would like to bring in, but those are some key things. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about misconceptions that revolving around coaching industry. What are some common misconceptions that you have noticed? Misconceptions about the coaching industry. Okay. This may feel like for me, let me just talk from my perspective. Like it's an unregulated industry. Unlike being a therapist, you don't have to have a license. You don't have to go through training. And so there's a lot of people that are calling themselves coaches that are actually not trained specifically in coaching. Mm. And they may be doing what more feels like consulting. And so misconception is that coaching has a broader definition than it really does. And that there's a lot of different schools of thought there. But if you think about the International Coach Federation, which is the standard body for coaching, like coaching. And honestly, when I was on my path to master coach, so there's three credential levels, associate, professional, and master. And I decided when I started to become a coach that master coach was going to be my MBA. That's what I was going to Mm. do. And so I failed twice on the way to MCC. Like I finally got it after my third try. But the reason I was failing was that I was trying too hard and I was being too consultative. And that governing body is not going to pass you if you're not displaying the, the coaching skills and the coaching competencies. And so the misconception is that people who are consultants are coaches. And so that's interesting. I think that changes how people feel about what coaches do. And it also you have to decide for yourself as a practitioner whether it's important to you to be officially trained or not. I'm not saying that you can't be a coach without 
official training. It just depends on how you feel about how you'll feel confident that you know what yeah. to do. Like for me, I was like, I got to get that MCC. I want to get trained and really feel like I understand it. So that's the thing. I know a lot of people who are, I'm actually coaching several right now who are executives who have had long careers in corporate roles and now they want to become a coach. And they're sitting with this, oh, should I just put my shingle up or should I go? I often have to help them understand that maybe training would be good actually, yeah. because it's a very different muscle to come from having been personally awesome in a job. And now you're going to help people do something similar and hmm. overdoing the work for them. So that's a misconception, I think, that it doesn't take as much skill as it actually does and that it, it, it's actually quite different than what a lot of people expect. Sometimes you'll see in a movie, somebody will say, oh, they just hired a life coach or, or something like that. <laughs> the yeah. coaching gets made fun of at times. But what I have found is that it's a transformational journey to study coaching, especially if you're tired of feeling like you're overworking in your job. You're like, I've learned a lot. I've been around for a while. I know some stuff and I would like mm. to not be so involved in the implementation. I would like to not overreach and not feel depleted all the time. I have had several clients go on to study coaching and have it be transformational for them and seeing how do you switch within yourself that hmm. the value you provide, like as a former product manager, like product managers are in the details. Like this is yeah. a really hard lesson for me to learn, but it's, oh, I actually add value just by holding space and being the container and by asking questions and being a deep listener and reflecting. I don't have to do, I don't have to execute. And that can be like a huge relief for people, yeah. but we're talking about misconceptions. I that That was a misconception that I had was that I had to be still in the details and the implementation to be valuable as a coach. Yeah, and that's just not true. I think some people think they don't need coaches, especially at the highest levels. I think with the way the world is now, how disrupted and complicated and like with AI and all the things, it takes, like I find that coaching in some ways is harder now because yeah. there's a lot of pain in the world and people are bringing and being real with you about what's going on. But also uh, there's a new way you have to navigate. Like I was coaching a, a leader yesterday. She's totally overwhelmed. She has too many things to do. Like I finally said to her, it sounds like you have two full-time jobs. And it was like, I do have two full-time jobs. Oh my gosh. Like you can't yeah. navigate two full, and she's committed to all of it. You can't navigate two full-time jobs and move forward in a, in the way you want to. So you have to be different with it. You have to be able to yeah. hold the tension uh, differently. So one of the misconceptions maybe might be that Coaches feel really important to the rising consciousness that needs to happen and is already happening now in this world with climate change and all this stuff. So I, I think that coaches are well positioned, but whether they have the respect as a profession to be really well positioned for being in a leadership role for this change yeah. now remains to be seen. I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but that those are the things that occur to me. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to be a coach because you're often part of a team, but you're actually not on the team, really. And so right. it's in some ways, it's lonely. That was one reason why I wanted to write the book, actually, was like I chose to step off the corporate ladder. If I had stayed on, I'd probably be at like the C-level role now. And so I'm coaching a lot of people who have a lot to show for their career. And it's, okay, what's my contribution? I've been working behind the scenes. If I do my job well, nobody ever really knows. And so it's, I've learned some stuff. Let me put it yeah. out. So that's interesting, too. I don't really know that I'm answering your question, but those are some of the things that come to mind for me. Yeah. Okay. So now we will talk about what is the best possible way to reach out to you so that our people can find you and get in touch with you. Sure. 
Probably the easiest way is to go to yourfinestwork.com because that's the site that talks about my new book, which is of the same name. And there's some things that you can access for free, some tools that are interesting. Yeah. And it also has a way to get a hold of me if you're interested in talking to me about coaching. I have a website under my name. My name's a little hard to spell, so your finest work is easier. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. I know a lot of people and I'm connected with quite a few. So if you wanted to reach out to me and said that you heard me on this podcast, I'd be happy to welcome you into my network. And then you can gain access to people that I know and to me as well. And that way we can keep in touch and you can see my postings and things like that. Happy to have a consultation with anybody who's considering hiring a, a coach as well as if you have questions from the podcast. Guys, to make sure you follow Meredith, wonderful person with great personality and you can reach out to her according to your coaching needs. So that was today's episode of the Sparking Entrepreneur Show. Thank you, Meredith, for being on the show and it was an honor to visiting you today. Thank you so much, Brad. It was really interesting to talk with you. I appreciate it. Thanks again with this. So that's it. I'm your Sukrat signing off and you guys have a wonderful day. Bye, guys. everybody this is subrat from the sparking entrepreneur show and today we have meredith melberg with us an executive coach and career strategist ceo peer facilitator author guiding corporate and non-profit executive they to do their finest work and also help senior leaders elevate their performance impact and career fulfillment using a depth blend of leadership coaching and career strategy so without further delay let's welcome meredith meredith welcome to the show thank you subrat i'm really happy to be here Meredith, let's begin with your journey. Like, why did you choose this career? What exactly inspired you to become a coach? And how did you get started into this job? Sure. When I was growing up, my mom wanted me to be a psychologist, a therapist. I have always been someone who can be very approachable and talk to people about what they're dealing with. To me, even as a young person, I knew that wasn't right. I, it wasn't action-oriented enough for me. But at the time, I didn't know what coaching was. So I, yeah. I thought I wanted to go into HR. So I became, I ended up as a recruiter. I was working with people who needed jobs and helping placing them in jobs. So in that job, I became a translator between audiences, people who were hiring wow. and people who wanted uh, a position. And through that, I got promoted into a role where I was a basically working at the corporate office building systems. And that's how I got into product management and management. And in that situation, I was, again, a translator between people who needed software to solve problems for them and people who were building those software solutions. And so I did that for a while, but it wasn't taking all of who I was. And I could really feel it even as a young person. And so somewhere along the way, I realized that my career was happening to me. I still didn't know about coaching, but I decided to work with a career counselor to figure out what else could I do that would make me feel alive in my work and take into account all my talents. So I worked with the career counselor, and through that process, I fell in love with what she was doing with me. And it was pretty clear that this was the career I wanted to go to. I looked at a couple. I looked at interior decorating was the other one I looked and tried on pretty seriously. But once I started talking to people who were working as coaches and had gone through training as coaches, I realized that's the path I wanted to go into. And that's been now about 20 years that I've been in the profession. And my work as a coach has changed over time, but I've never looked back. The perfect combination for me of being able to hold space for other people and help them move into the next phase of their professional lives. So it's action-oriented, but it also takes advantage of my strengths and interests. That's awesome. And also how it's going on now? How it's going on now? It's very going well. I have my husband quit his job about 10 years ago. So he works with me in the business. So our oh, okay. family is supported by our enterprise. 
I just wrote a book that came out last month, Your Finest Work. It's all about in the subtitle, Career Fulfillment in a Complicated World, which is a summing up of what I've learned. So that's been really satisfying. I have at various times had a team of people that worked for me. I used to hire out a series of practitioners and sell their services. So I've had different iterations of the work, but now I make my living in three ways. One, as a facilitator of executive groups. I have several groups that are CEOs and other senior executives that I hold space for on a monthly basis, working one-on-one with clients who hire me individually, typically executives who are thinking about whether they want to make a change or grow where they are in their career, and companies that hire me for their high potential or valued leaders that they want to invest in their career satisfaction and leadership abilities. So I've diversified my revenue so that it makes sense and it can support putting two kids through college. I have teens that I'm I'm raising as well. So that's how it's going now. And as your husband is also working with you, so whole revenue is going to your pocket. Yes. That's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. It's interesting. My husband used to have a very demanding job and I originally partially went into coaching because I could be flexible and I wanted to be a mom. But it was interesting when we switched, it was like, okay, I love this more than what he's doing. Let's Hmm. double down on this. And he, I need more help then. It can get pretty complicated once you grow and you have a lot of moving parts in your coaching business. So it was really helpful. I'd had different assistants that I'd paid before, but once my partner in life became part of the organization, it really shifted and unlocked something in our relationship too. So that was cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And also you have one-on-one clients, but do you have group coaching options or any kind of programs? Like if anybody wants to get coaching from you, then only one-on-one options is available or is there any other options? I do group coaching, especially on demand, and I've done it in different ways and at different times. Right now, I have an online course, that oh. course in air quotes, but how I, I ran it a few times where people were self-paced going through it, and then they'd come for group calls. And what I found is it's actually just really useful as like an online wiki as I'm working with people. So I, I tend to work more one-on-one, but I do have group sessions as well. Sometimes, and I'm thinking about with my new book, I just hired a speaking coach. It's always good for a coach to have a coach and she's going to help me work on my keynote, but also thinking about like how to refine my business model to have more Hmm. one-to-many coaching uh, experiences. One-to-many is different than one-to-one. It's a different energy. It, It requires a different set of expectations of yourself as a practitioner Because when you're working one-on-one, you can be really clear on, okay, what are we here to do? How we make sure we've done it? But when you're working with multiple people, I still like that personal touch, being able to understand the person and what's important and how are they measuring success and how do they make sure they get what they need? So when I do it, I really try to be intentional about how I do that design and but it's certainly practical in terms of making more money as a practitioner as and it makes your time stretch further for sure. Yeah. And also if I talk about from the business perspective, like most of the people, they have group coaching because they can enroll like bunch of people Mm -hmm. and also they can filter out like who is going for the one-on-one. It's like basically like just experiencing the things like how you are coaching and how the things is going for you if they buy your one-on-one coaching. For that reason, they just do the group coaching and it's two to three days or maybe uh, one uh, in a week. Then once they like people get some experience about your coaching processes and all, then they mm-hmm. are enrolled in the one-on-one. Yes, for sure. And it really does vary thinking about you have to be a good marketer to be able to get enough people 
to fill yeah. a course at the time you want to start it. Some professionals, and sometimes I've used this approach, was like, let me see how many people are interested in that, and then we'll form uh, a group. I had a, a talk I did once, and there were like 900 people that signed up for it. It was crazy. Wow. And and while on the call, it was like the ticker tape of the chat was like crazy. I was like, hey, if I create a course about this, would anybody like to take it? 69 people said yes. And so I created a course and we did it. Like the great thing about a course is you don't have to have it already ahead of time. You can have an idea. Yeah. And I've taken different coaching where they help you understand, like prove out the idea before you go put a lot of resources in, into it and build it. And then you can build it as you go. Today, more and more of the group work that I'm doing is through organizations that hire me to do it. So mm. they do all the administrative load of filling the group, administering the group, and I just have to show up and do the actual facilitation or coaching. And to mm. me, that's a nice trade-off. It's a little bit less work for what I'm earning. They already have people coming to them, and then I just come in and I do the work. It's worth it to me to maybe make a little bit less than I might have made if I ran the whole group to not have all of the responsibilities. So I played with it in different ways over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also let's talk about, we will go into this very shortly. I just want to ask you like, what is the basic difference? Like when an entrepreneur or business owner hire a coach or if they don't have a coach. So what is the basic hmm. difference? The basic difference. And mostly when like, you're... what is the most, like what kind of advantage that they are going to if they hire a coach? If they like hire a coach, coach, for sure. For one, when you're an entrepreneur, you're trying to look to the outside world that you have it all together but often you don't on the inside. So having a coach gives you a confidential container in which to have a thought partner and just say, let down your hair and say, this is hard. I'm not sure what to do about this. I'm almost out of money or I, I tried this and it didn't work or I just had this experience. I'm not sure what to do with it. So when you don't have, have a coach, you have to find, I mean, you still have that need to be able to have an outlet to be able to workshop and brainstorm and strategize and experiment and debrief. Yeah. And so if you don't have that, you've got to find it through another way. And it doesn't work very well. And I say this with great love for my spouse. It, it doesn't work very well to have somebody who's benefiting or losing based on the output of it. So in other words, having a spouse or a family member can be useful in some ways, but in other ways, they have a vested interest in it going a certain yeah. way. So a coach can help you think about things more broadly. A lot of the times when I'm coaching, I'm helping people understand what other people do in the circumstances they find themselves in. So it's, oh, it got, I'm going product manager on them. It's okay. In this situation, people either do this or this, what resonates with you? So having a body of knowledge to tap into, coaches are often very equipped with past experiences of what they've seen in other clients, people, professional experience they've had themselves. Like for me, like one of the reasons I'm credible as a business coach is I've been a business, I've been in business for 20 years. I've seen a lot of different things. And so yeah. there's a lot I can pull out. And also network ex expansion is another thing. So often if you're working with a coach, you get access to their network of resources because an entrepreneurial journey is not one you can do on your own. You need a village of people around you. And so being able to tap into for informational interviews views or resource. I was taking a coaching program where I got introduced to a woman who ended up writing case studies for me, interviewing my clients and helping me understand the value I was bringing. And that was life-changing. I wouldn't have known about that if I hadn't been in the coaching mm. relationship. Those are just some examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. And is it important for a business coach to gain experiences in business before they're coaching to their client? 
I think it helps. Yeah, I was talking to a gentleman the other day who's a commercial photographer, and he really wanted to work with someone who had been in business and could relate to what he was talking about and could not only relate, but have had success of their own to draw upon. Whether you're in business, gaining that experience as you do the coaching, that could be done, or whether you've had a chapter. If you think about, oh, I had a chapter, here's what I completed, and now that's my platform on which I stand. I think if you haven't been in business, you've got to be pretty familiar with the issues that people are going to experience. And and it could be that you could get that in other ways. I often work with people in businesses that are not the kind of business that I run, a product Mm. business versus a service business, for example. But I've done enough research and I've had enough conversations and understanding and reading and learning to be able to extract the nuggets. The good thing about coaching is it's not about the details of the nuances of the business. It's more about what are the things that get in the person's way of having what they want from it. And so it's typically, so in that way, I would never say that not having business experience is advantageous, but there's certainly, there's the tendency if you have too much business experience, especially if it's related to the work that somebody's doing, it's easy to go into consulting as opposed Mm. to coaching. And that's a real risk, especially if you want to call yourself a coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you have a lot of businesses and you go exactly go with the particular industry, then consulting would be always better option if you see with the coaching because coaching a little bit different from the consulting because there are people will consult you, they will tell you that what exactly that you need to do in order to get success and all. But in if we just switch up that, coaching is like reverse. They are just going to ask you the question so that you will get the clarity or confidence what you need to do, what kind of strategy yes. that you need. So yes. yeah, yeah. And there are, there are powerful combinations I would not encourage your listeners to shy away from consulting if that's their bent and their interest. However, I would just be really clear about the difference. I remember when I was being trained as a coach, they had this us do this metaphorical take off your coaching hat and put on your consulting hat, like being really discreet with your customer because coaching is a different permission asking sport mm-hmm. than consulting is. I have the expertise. I'm going to come in and tell you what to do. And mm-hmm. coaching is more like you've got the answers within you to your decision, I'm going to hold space for you as you find it. I often combine coaching and consulting, frankly. When I went for my credential, which some of your listeners may be interested in that, I had to display that I knew how to do coaching, pure coaching. And that was Mm. not overreaching, not telling what people what to do, not getting in, in that vein. But the reality is in the day-to-day work world, and even the speaking coach I just hired, is she's going to consult with me. She's going to not Mm. only have me hold space for my answers, she's going to help me understand how to save time so I don't have to reinvent the wheel and learn from what she knows and what others before me have learned. So it's just, it it does require self-management as a coach, as a practitioner, to know the difference and then to work very tactfully and in a nuanced way with your clients so that they understand what they're getting. I have a lot of people who come and they expect me to have the answers for them. And so the part of what I'm doing is educating them on what coaching really is and what coaching is definitely in a lot of ways more powerful because it brings it back to the person themselves that they have agency, but strategy and consulting can give them the edge to move faster and get done with and meet their goals more fully. Correct, correct, correct. It's basically like you are taking action towards your client's result or clients, whether it be combining of coaching or consulting. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Meredith, if you like you, since you have 20 years of experience in this industry, I just want to ask you if anybody wants to be a successful business coach, 
then what kind of qualities they need to be possessed? Okay. There's a number of them. One is that you have to be reflective yourself. You have to have a growth growth mindset so that everybody talks about that. But this idea of I have a part to play here. I have something to learn. I have things that will both help me and get in the way of me being a successful practitioner. So I'm going to work on myself. It's not just that I'm going to learn the craft. It's that I'm going to self-manage. I'm going to always be in growth mode myself. I'm going to have strong teachers around me to help me understand how my energy that I bring to coaching is impacting in a positive or negative way my clients and what I want to do about that. So being reflective is one. Being an active listener, of course, is another. Being able to listen with your whole being, not only with your what your ears tell you, but also what your eyes and your body feels. Being able to tune in to the whole experience the person, your person or persons you're coaching are having with you and being able to speak to that with tact and, yeah. and permission. Other things that come to mind are not talking too much. Yeah, I have a, sometimes I'll write on my paper, wait, which stands for why am I talking? So the idea of putting the work where it belongs, being willing to not be the solver. We were talking about coaching versus consulting, but if we think about a pure coaching play, it's helping the person find their answers and not doing the work for them, not taking it on, not doing too much, not overreaching. So that is often easier when you're not talking too much. You're asking questions, provocative questions that are less focused on the details and they're more focused on what are the goals that the person has and how do we need to deepen the conversation. One of the learnings that I have had over the years that I didn't realize when I first started was this idea of, because I come from corporate and startups, like I'm I'm a really practical, pragmatic person. So I'm results oriented. And there's an arc, when you learn to be a coach, there's the arc of the conversation. A single coaching session has different parts. And one of the parts is accountability and sort of action orientation. What are you going to do as a result of this conversation? And when I was learning to be a coach, I, I was emphasizing that too much. Because I was so practical. And so what you have to learn as a coach is how to be okay with it being messy, being unfinished, continuing to deepen the conversation as opposed to wanting to get to the punchline and wanting holding an agenda of your own for the person that you are invested in them getting to. And once I could tap into that, that really made my the results people got from the coaching more transformative. So this idea of being willing to understand the way the interaction of the coaching sessions have to go and then being willing to let go of any attachment you have to the outcomes the person gets from the help they get from you. It's their work to do. So a lot of it's an inner game. There's more I could say, but those are some of the things that come to mind for me with coaching. I don't know if you are other things you notice and would like to bring in, but those are some key things. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about misconceptions that revolving around coaching industry. What are some common misconceptions that you have noticed? Misconceptions about the coaching industry. Okay. This may feel like for me, let me just talk from my perspective. Like it's an unregulated industry. Unlike being a therapist, you don't have to have a license. You don't have to go through training. And so there's a lot of people that are calling themselves coaches that are actually not trained specifically in coaching Mm. and they may be doing what more feels like consulting and so misconception is that 
coaching has a broader definition than it really does. And that there's a lot of different schools of thought there. But if you think about the International Coach Federation, which is the standard body for coaching, yeah. like coaching, and honestly, when I was on my path to master coach, so there, there's three credential levels, associate, professional, and master. And I decided when I started to become a coach that master coach was going to be my MBA. That's what I was going to mm. do. And so I failed twice on the way to MCC. Like I finally got it after my yeah. third try. But the reason I was failing was that I was trying too hard and I was being too consultative. And that governing body is not going to pass you if you're not displaying the the coaching skills and the coaching competencies. And so the misconception is that people who are consultants are coaches. And so that's interesting. I think that changes how people feel about what coaches do. And it also, you have to decide for yourself as a practitioner whether it's important to you to be officially trained or not. I'm not saying that you can't be a coach without official training. It just depends on how you feel about how you'll feel confident that you know what yeah. to do. Like for me, I was like, I got to get that MCC. I want to get trained and really feel like I understand it. So that's the thing. I know a lot of people who are, I'm actually coaching several right now who are executives who have had long careers in corporate roles and now they want to become a coach. And they're sitting with this, oh, should I just put my shingle up? or should I go? I often have to help them understand that maybe training would be good, actually, yeah. because it's a very different muscle to come from having been personally awesome in a job. And now you're going to help people do something similar and hmm. overdoing the work for them. So that's a misconception, I think, that it doesn't take as much skill as it actually does and that it, it, it's actually quite different than what a lot of people expect. Sometimes you'll see in a movie, somebody will say, oh, they just hired a life coach or, or something like that. <laughs> the yeah. coaching gets made fun of at times. But what I have found is that it's a transformational journey to study coaching, especially if you're tired of feeling like you're overworking in your job. You're like, I've learned a lot. I've been around for a while. I know some stuff and I would like mm. to not be so involved in the implementation. I would like to not overreach and not feel depleted all the time. I have had several clients go on to study coaching and have it be transformational for them and seeing how do you switch within yourself that hmm. the value you provide, like as a former product manager, like product managers are in the details. Like this is yeah. a really hard lesson for me to learn, but it's, oh, I actually add value just by holding space and being the container and by asking questions and being a deep listener and reflecting. I don't have to do. I don't have to execute. And that can be like a huge relief for people. Yeah. But we're talking about misconceptions. I that That was a misconception that I had was that I had to be still in the details and the implementation to be valuable as a coach. Yeah, and that's just not true. I think some people think they don't need coaches, especially at the highest levels. I think with the way the world is now, how disrupted and complicated and like with AI and all the things, it takes, like I find that coaching in some ways is harder now because yeah. there's a lot of pain in the world and people are bringing and being real with you about what's going on. But also uh, there's a new way you have to navigate. Like I was coaching a, a leader yesterday. She's totally overwhelmed. She has too many things to do. Like I finally said to her, it sounds like you have two full-time jobs. And it was like, I do have two full-time jobs. Oh my gosh. Like you can't mm. navigate two full, and she's committed to all of it. You can't navigate two full-time jobs and move forward in a, in the way you want to. So you have to be different with it. You have to be able to yeah. hold the tension uh, differently. So one of the misconceptions maybe might be that 
coaches feel really important to the rising consciousness that needs to happen and is already happening now in this world with climate change and all this stuff. So I, I think that coaches are well positioned, but whether they have the respect as a profession to be really well positioned for being in a leadership role for this change yeah. now remains to be seen. I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but that those are the things that occur to me. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to be a coach because you're often part of a team, but you're actually not on the team, really. And so right. it's in some ways it's lonely. That was one reason why I wanted to write the book, actually, was like I chose to step off the corporate ladder. If I had stayed on, I'd probably be at like the C-level role now. And so I'm coaching a lot of people who have a lot to show for their career. And it's, okay, what's my contribution? I've been working behind the scenes. If I do my job well, nobody ever really knows. And so it's, I've learned some stuff. Let me put it yeah. out. So that's interesting, too. I don't really know that I'm answering your question, but those are some of the things that come to mind for me. Yeah. Okay. So now we will talk about what is the best possible way to reach out to you so that our people can find you and get in touch with you. Sure. Probably the easiest way is to go to yourfinestwork.com because that's the site that talks about my new book, which is of the same name. And there are some things that you can access for free, some tools that are interesting. Yeah. And it also has a way to get a hold of me if you're interested in talking to me about coaching. I have a website under my name. My name's a little hard to spell, so your finest work is easier. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. I know a lot of people and I'm connected with quite a few. So if you wanted to reach out to me and said that you heard me on this podcast, I'd be happy to welcome you into my network. And then you can gain access to people that I know and to me as well. And that way we can keep in touch and you can see my postings and things like that. Happy to have a consultation with anybody who's considering hiring a, a coach as well as if you have questions from the podcast. Guys, to make sure you follow Meredith, wonderful person with great personality and you can reach out to her according to your coaching needs. So that was today's episode of the Sparking Entrepreneur Show. Thank you, Meredith, for being on the show and it was an honor to visiting you today. Thank you so much, Brad. It was really interesting to talk with you. I appreciate it. Thanks again with this. So that's it. I'm your host, Sukrat, signing off. And you guys have a wonderful day. Bye, guys.